0: Welcome to episode 626 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Ballard, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Just me this week, no Richard. Our schedules just couldn't make that work together, but still wanted to get out an episode for you all. So we do have a little bit of news this week, uh, and that's really the main reason we didn't have a show last week. There was really nothing to talk about, and we're not going to put out an episode and just struggle to come up with things to talk about. We'll let you have that time back in your life. So back this week with some news, also have some feedback from a lot of you sent email into us at entertainment Two Zero at the digital dot com. Justin, Joe, Timothy, John, Mark all wrote in to talk about Patreon, uh, ad-free ways of listening to those podcast streams after we talked last week about how I thought it was a really big deal that Spotify was working with Patreon to integrate Patreon-supported podcast feeds right into Spotify, so that if you're already a a Spotify user and you're already a Patreon subscriber, that you could link those two accounts and get the Patreon-specific version of your podcast feeds right inside of Spotify. If you want all of the rest of the details, go and check out episode 625 that we released a couple of weeks ago. However, apparently, I didn't do a great job of explaining why I thought this was a big deal because all of those guys, again, Justin, John, Joe, Timothy, and Mark, all wrote in to show us. Some of you even included screenshots of how you can log into your Patreon feed and get a special RSS feed. That will that you can then import into many podcast players. And what that typically means is you get an ad-free experience, or maybe there's extra bonus material that gets thrown into that feed also. That's great. And I appreciate you all sharing that with me. And I should have done a better job last week of saying that this is an option uh, if you're using Pocket Cast and Overcast and lots of other podcast apps where you can put in an RSS feed manually. That's not the situation here though. So the point that I didn't do a good job of clearly making is that I think this is a big deal that Spotify specifically is building this functionality in because a lot of people, my wife Jen included, only use Spotify to consume podcast. They don't want to have to figure out another podcast app. So that that's what I think is really, really great about this. Now, I did get to do some more digging into this and discovered that, unfortunately, creators have to actually opt into this functionality with Spotify. Though the The people who own the shows need to go into Spotify and set this up on their side, and then once they do, then this option becomes available. So, the podcast that my wife subscribes to on Patreon, it's not actually available. At least not that version of it isn't available on Spotify yet, but I was able to find others that were. So it is out there. And again, thank you, Justin, John, Joe, Timothy, and Mark for sharing all of that feedback. And frankly, with how many people were writing in to tell us this, I almost put out an extra show last week just to respond to all of the feedback so that we wouldn't continue to get more on the topic. Mark also wrote in for another reason, though. He is a YouTube premium subscriber, and he did a bunch of research on this new enhanced 1080p functionality inside of YouTube. And he he gave us a bunch of details that we weren't sure about, and I'll get into those in a second, but he also pointed out another big benefit to to the enhanced 1080p format in the, that might make sense for people, even though 4K cameras and all of that are a lot more common now. And the big benefit that he pointed out is content creators on YouTube, their whole rig, their whole setup might be based around 1080p cameras and 1080p video production. They might not have 4K cameras. They might not have computers capable of processing 4K video quickly. So and it takes YouTube longer to process 4K videos also, I believe. So there's a really good reason why a lot of YouTube creators might be excited about enhanced 1080p over 4K. It means they don't have to drop a lot of money upgrading their rigs to 4K just yet. Okay, so we had a lot of questions, a lot of things that we weren't sure about, and Mark did all the work for us. So again, huge, huge, huge thank you to Mark for writing in and sharing all of his findings with us. So there are a bunch of situations where you will not be presented an enhanced 1080p option when. Uh, going to watch a a YouTube video. So the first one is 4K videos. We wondered about this. If, if 4K is an option for a video, it doesn't look like YouTube is giving you an enhanced 1080p option. Also, higher frame rate videos. He wasn't able to find any videos that have a, a higher frame rate, like 60 frames per second, 120 frames per second. And this is typically content being put out by video game, either video game publishers for their trailers and things like that, or just video game content producers. So people who are out there Twitch streaming and things like that might be playing games at higher frame rates. So they might be producing their content at higher frame rates. And he wasn't able to find any instances where there was a higher frame rate video that was also made available in enhanced 1080p. He also noticed that a lot of older videos, three, four years old and older, not getting this option, which kind of makes sense. You know, th- this probably does require some work on YouTube's part, and they're probably not prioritizing this for older videos, especially older videos that aren't getting a lot of recent playback. There wouldn't be a lot of benefit to it. So again, totally makes sense. So. We also wondered about default settings. If you're paying for YouTube premium, is it going to default to using the enhanced 1080p format on videos that have it? And sure enough, it is. He said for his account, if a, it, if a video is available with 1080p enhanced format, it defaults to that. If it has 4K, it defaults to playing that, assuming that you've got the bandwidth and all of that. And then the last question, maybe the most important one, did he notice a difference between 1080p and enhanced 1080p? And he did. He said that he did have to take out his phone and essentially take pictures so that he could compare them side by side. That should tell you a lot that you have to do this side by side to really notice a meaningful difference. But there is a difference. And as you would expect, it looks Sharper. That's the main benefit. The higher bit rate allows increased sharpness, similar to uh, upping the resolution. Uh, and and he even went on to point out that he's for a long time uh, his his thought has been that 4K videos on YouTube look better, not necessarily because of the enhanced resolution, but that the in that the increased bitrate allows for a sharper video and that's really what you're looking for out of a 4k video anyway so with the enhanced 1080p offering a a higher increase in bitrate you get sharper video out of it so that's about all of the details you could possibly need uh, that we didn't already share in episode 625 about Uh, Enhanced 1080p from YouTube. And again, huge thanks to Mark for sharing all of his findings with us so that we could share them with the rest of you. So let's get on with the news for this week. And I wonder if this is the first time ever, but it's definitely a first in a long time. No video news to report this week. I'm actually going to consider that a good thing because so much of our video news lately has been to discuss rising subscription cost from video streaming services. So we don't have any of that to report this week, except that we do on the audio side. So, yep, yet again, more subscription rates for streaming media going up, but this time for music, and this time it's from Amazon Amazon Music Unlimited this time around. So earlier this year, Amazon Music Unlimited raised their prices for non Amazon Prime subscribers for the service. So, to be clear, what that means is Amazon Music Unlimited has always had a two tiered pricing system. There's one price to pay if you don't subscribe to Amazon Prime, and there's one price that you pay that's discounted if you do subscribe to Amazon Prime. So, For the non-Prime subscribers, their prices went up in April. Now, for you Amazon Prime subscribers, you're going to see uh, an increase in your subscription starting September 19th. So how much is it going up? Well, if you're a Prime member on a single Amazon Music Unlimited subscription, your monthly subscription fee is going from $8.99 a month to $9.99 a month. So it's going up by a dollar. The family plan goes from 15.99 to 16.99 again going up by a dollar. So both options a dollar more expensive than they were previously and still well going back to being a dollar less expensive than if you were not an Amazon Prime subscriber. So the the, the main thing here is if you're not an Amazon Prime subscriber the cost of Amazon Music Unlimited—it's the same as pretty much everybody else. It's eleven dollars a month, which is the same as Apple Music. It's the same as Spotify. Uh, it's the same as Titles uh, Basic Service. Like they're pretty much all eleven dollars a month now. But if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, you save yourself a dollar a month over its own service and all of the competing services. All right, so let's move on to some gaming news and. Fortunately or unfortunately, we're back to talking about Microsoft's uh, hopeful acquisition of Activision Blizzard. So last we talked about this, the, uh, Microsoft had basically won <laughs> all of their fights against the FTC in the United States. And when they did that, the UK Competition and Markets Authority, the, the UK CMA, decided, okay, I guess we can reevaluate this. And so Microsoft this week put out a new option where, uh, well, maybe we should first address what they were even doing. So the UK, their biggest complaint and reason for blocking this merger was that they felt like if Microsoft acquired Activision Blizzard... It would give them essentially monopolistic power over cloud game streaming services. When we talked about this back in the spring when this was announced, I thought this was laughable. The The cloud gaming subscription service market is really not all that big right now. Will it eventually get big? Yes. Microsoft having Activision Blizzard isn't going to be the thing, though, that causes Microsoft to win that race. They're doing well because they have lots of games to offer and Microsoft Azure a, a fully built out first tier cloud infrastructure service. So that's why they're going to win or at least to be one of the top providers in the space for many years to come. But regardless, that is what the UK uh, based most of their argument on. So Microsoft came back this week and said, all right, we're going to make a deal here. For Activision Blizzard games specifically, Microsoft submitted that they would transfer all game streaming deals, licenses, all of that stuff of those specific games to Ubisoft for the next 15 years once this deal closes. So That means that if Call of Duty were to come to a cloud game streaming service, it would actually be Ubisoft that's licensing what streaming services get it. Does NVIDIA GeForce now get it? Well, it'd be up to Ubisoft, who also has their own cloud game streaming service. So it's an interesting option. And again, it only impacts Activision Blizzard games. This doesn't have... Any real impact on Xbox Game Pass. It doesn't have any real impact on what games are or are not on Xbox Cloud game streaming other than Activision Blizzard games like Call of Duty and Overwatch and things like that. Ubisoft would be in control of who, uh, what other game streaming services get licenses to offer those games. It sounds like a pretty good option to me it 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 solves the problem that the uk originally put out there there's another new problem with that though see back when this deal was trying to be approved by the eu the european union microsoft had to make a similar concession to them so in when when the eu reviewed it what microsoft said was okay um well really what the EU told Microsoft that they would need to do is that Microsoft would be required to license Activision Blizzard games on all competing game streaming services globally everywhere the EU the UK the US everywhere and so these two options don't really work together so the EU is Pointing that out now. And so there's going to have to be some negotiation on this one also to make sure that the EU is still cool with this acquisition. At the end of the day, I still think that all of the parties involved here come to an agreement and this thing gets finalized before the October deadline. So hopefully we're only talking about this for another couple of months, tops. And then Extra, hopefully, that means that when Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 comes out in November, it's on Game Pass, and I don't have to pay for any more Call of Duty games outside of my Xbox Game Pass subscription. That's, of course, what I'm really hoping for. All right, our last bit of news this week is one that I think some of the internet is upset about, and... This time, not really for a very good reason. So this week, Xbox announced that they are going to be closing the Xbox 360 store in July of 2024. So even if you're freaking out that, oh my gosh, stuff is going to go away, you've got almost a year before this is going away. So what is actually going away? Well, first off, this largely Really, kind of only impacts you if you're playing games on an actual Xbox 360, the 360 console itself, you know, that thing that came out like 15 years ago. And we're now two generations past that, right? So, what does it actually mean? Well, on an Xbox 360, you won't be able to buy games from the Xbox 360 store anymore. You also won't be able to buy movies and TV shows from the store, that was an option. It's not going to be available on an Xbox 360 anymore. Okay, so what if you did previously purchase things, games, DLC, movies, any of that stuff? Do you still have access to them? Yes. Even on an Xbox 360, you will still be able to download and install and play Previously purchased Xbox 360 games on your Xbox 360 console. If they're backwards compatible, meaning they will play on an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X and S, they'll still remain playable on your Xbox console. But what if you have an Xbox 360 and it's August of 2024 and you decide you really want to buy an old Xbox 360 game to play on your Xbox 360? Well, you won't be able to purchase it from your console, but you may still be able to purchase it from other places. Xbox.com is a website with a store where you can buy Xbox 360 games. You can also buy 360 games on an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X and S. But there's one caveat to all of those options, and that is That you will only be able to purchase games that are backwards compatible, meaning games that can be played on an Xbox One or an Xbox Series X and S. So it's not everything. If there's some really random, obscure game that never hit backwards compatibility, you're not going to be able to get it. But I believe by the time Microsoft stopped porting games for backwards compatibility, There were over 600 titles that were made available via backwards compatibility. So chances are, if there's still a game that you want to buy a year from now for your 15 year old Xbox 360, you'll probably be able to get it. And because it's the Xbox Xbox ecosystem, you'll be able to play it on any of the more recent game consoles. It's one of the things that we love about the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S. You can play most of your old Xbox 360 games and even some of your original Xbox games via backwards compatibility. So, of course, there's a certain segment of the internet that's freaking out that they're closing down a store and you're never going to be able to play your stuff again, but it's simply not true. You will still absolutely be able to play these games even on your very old... Xbox 360 assuming that it's still running at this point. Okay, so that does it for the news this week. Let's get into the the really fun segment of what's going on in our entertainment centers and for this week, you may be shocked to know that I finally finally finished playing through The Last of Us the remastered edition, the first game on my PlayStation 4. Finally did it, loved it. Really loved the way that they ended this game. I had some expectations that it didn't meet up with, which I think is a good thing. It was a different experience than I'm used to. The way that the characters were modeled and rendered and voice acted was phenomenal. I mean, really throughout, but especially at the very end, leaving so much for interpretation. Really, really loved this game, uh, especially the, the story aspect of it. I, I've talked in the past that I don't necessarily love stealth sneak around games, but on easy mode, the stealth wasn't super hard. Uh, overall, a, a a good game like that's <laughs> of course, it's a good game. People have been saying it's one of the best games ever for 10 years now since it was originally released on the PlayStation 3. So. That's really great. That also means that I was able to start watching the show from HBO. So I'm a max subscriber. I've watched the first episode of The Last of Us show. Really, really well done. Love it. And my friend Joe, former co host of the podcast that we used to do around here called Story Players, also loved The Last of Us, loved the TV show. He pointed out to me that if you're watching, the Last of Us show. There's an official HBO-sponsored The Last of Us podcast to go along with the show. That's got uh, the showrunner, whose name I'm forgetting, and Neil Druckmann from Naughty Dog, the the guy that basically created this game. The podcast is exceptionally well done. So if you're watching the show, or maybe you already did, I think it's worth going back and listening to this podcast. If you're watching the show, do not get ahead on the podcast, though, because they will spoil a bunch of things uh, for each episode. So there's an episode of the podcast for every episode of the show. Check them out together. Watch the show the next morning. Listen to the podcast. It's really good. It's really, really good. That's it for what I've been watching in terms of what I've been playing. A little bit more Diablo. I think I mentioned on the last episode that we finally finished the campaign. If I didn't, hey, surprise, we finally finished the campaign. I'm starting to play through the season one content. I'm a little confused on how all of this extra stuff, including the battle pass works. Like, I know how a battle pass works, guys. You don't have to tell me that. But I've put a couple of hours into this battle pass, and I haven't even completed the first level. That seems... Like it's not leveling correctly. So there's obviously something I'm missing or else this battle pass is just super broken. But the game itself, I still really, really like. Uh, also did get a chance to to spend a bunch of time with uh, NHL 23. And my friends were also right around the corner from... Getting our hands on the open beta. I don't think it's actually been announced yet, but it's usually really soon. I'm expecting early September for the open beta of NHL 24. And this year, based on the trailers and stuff, I'm actually really excited about NHL 24. It didn't matter. I was going to buy it either way, even if it was basically the same game as last year, which was basically the same game as the year before, because that's just what my friends and I do. We Buy this game every year, complain about it every year, and still put hundreds of hours into it every year. But in NHL 24, it looks like they're making a lot of pretty significant updates that I'm really looking forward to. So once we can uh, get our hands on an open beta and talk about it, definitely plan on doing that. And then lastly, for books, I finished reading another Blake Crouch book. You heard me talk about. His book Dark Matter a few episodes ago, and I loved that one. Uh, So I was looking for another book to read and went back and just did another search for him from the library and found the book Recursion, which I think might be his most popular book. It's another really good one, a really, really good one. So if you're interested in sci fi that's basically set in modern day, but doing different things with science, they're good books, definitely worth checking out. And that does it for everything that has been going on in my entertainment center. So, that basically does it for this episode. So, if you'd like to get a hold of us, we are online, we're on social media. I'm on Twitter or X, whatever the crap we're calling it this week, at Josh Pollard. I'm also Josh Pollard on Mastodon. Richard is only on Mastodon at Richard Gunther over there. And of course, our show notes are over at our website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com. Show notes to everything that we talked about if you want to get even more details or want to check out more information on the things that we talked about this week. Also, check out the YouTube feed. We're trying to make video versions of this Uh, Most weeks. So head on over to YouTube. The link is in our show notes again. Subscribe to it. That helps us out a lot uh, because eventually, once we get enough subscribers over there, then we can actually generate a little bit of revenue from uh, the ads that YouTube is going to force you to watch anyway. Or if you're a YouTube premium subscriber, then we would get a small cut of that for you watching it if you're subscribed to the show. And then You know, when Richard's around and everything works out well, we like to record the show live too. And when we do that, it's typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. If you follow us on socials, we will uh, usually post out a message that we're going to be recording that night with the time. And uh, we use Twitch for that. So once you make it over there, if you're a Twitch user, you can... Subscribe to us on Twitch and then Twitch will notify you when we go live. If you're not into social media, that's another option for making sure that you don't miss a live show, because when we do this live, then you can comment uh, along while we're recording it. you can be a part of the show while it's happening. So it's a lot of fun and we love having everybody out for the live show. So maybe we'll get to do one next week because that's going to do it for episode 626. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios.